0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope and builds your faith. Today what I want to do is I want to start a brand new series called Blessed to be a Blessing. Look at your neighbor and say I'm blessed. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're blessed too. Yeah, we're blessed to be a blessing. Um, You know, this term blessed is one of the most overused, misunderstood words in the, you know, Christian world in the church. We use blessed for everything, you know. uh, uh, So I want to start by talking about what does it mean to be blessed? What does it truly mean according to scripture for us To be blessed. If I'm blessed, does that just mean everything works out good for me? You know, like nothing ever goes wrong, hashtag blessed. No, that's not what being blessed is. That's nice, but that's just not life. Blessed people go through it. Blessed people have problems. But when you're blessed, I would define the blessing of God this way. To be blessed, the blessing is God's supernatural power working in your life his supernatural power working in your life on this earth right scripture gives us a picture you're either living in the blessing of god you're, you're you're experiencing the blessing the the other option scripture gives us is or you're in the curse you're either blessed Or you're cursed. There's not like this middle lane where you can be in neutral between the two. Scripture, God is speaking to his people in the Old Testament. And he says, today I set before you life or death, blessing or cursing. There's there's one or two uh, the options blessing or cursing. So if being blessed is having the supernatural power of God working in our lives on this earth, the curse would be the opposite. Would be not having the supernatural blessing of uh, power of God working in our lives, right? It's the the blessing of God. And see what we need to understand is that there is a a level that we can do on our own. Anybody have some skills? And you have some abilities. Everybody, raise your hand. Come on, you all have skills. You all have abilities just in your natural self. That's how God created you. Some of you can sing or play an instrument. Some of you are really good with numbers and math. Accountants, come on. Some of you are are good at a lot of different things. That's natural skills and abilities. That's the the natural part of you. But let me just let me just pop your bubble real quick. You have limits. We all have limits. There's a limit to how far our natural abilities will take us. But good news, the supernatural power of God is God bringing his super on top of what we naturally can do. See, when God's supernatural power is in us... Through His power, it's removing the limits. All of a sudden, you can begin to do things that you couldn't do before. It's like when the supernatural power of God comes on you and you're thinking, you might have only been able to see the solution this way to a problem. You might have only been able to think this way. But all of a sudden, when the blessing of God comes on your mind, the supernatural power of God, there begins to be an ability beyond your own to think clearly, to think of things you couldn't think of before. That's the supernatural power of God. See, the world has tried to convince people that the supernatural is this weird, spooky thing. And that's just, it's just a deception. It's a a twisting of something that God put in the world for our benefit. That's what the devil does, is he likes to twist things. See, the blessing of God in our lives is his supernatural power working for us. And here's what I want to tell you, is that the blessing of God on your life has a purpose. It has purpose. And, and, and it's not just so that you could be living large and in charge. Come on, somebody. I know you're all that in a bag of chips. But listen, God's blessing was never meant to be contained solely in you. It was always meant to overflow out of you. So when we talk about the blessing, we have to begin to redefine what it really means. Because culture would try to tell us, like, well, because of something you might have, then you're blessed as if you wouldn't have that, then you're not blessed. Like if you don't have a brand new car this year, then you're not as blessed as somebody else. That's messed up. That's not right. That's not the blessing, right? It's not like God, it's not like some people are blessed and some people aren't. No, the reality is, is that all of us experience a level of blessing in God. Right? Let me show you this in Scripture um, because I want you to understand this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. All right, so God has blessed you. Let me hear you say, I am blessed. Okay. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So there you have it. You are blessed because you've put your faith in Christ. Because you've made that moment to believe in Jesus, Scripture says you are now blessed. There's a level of blessing that God bestows on everyone because of their faith in Christ. And and praise God for that. It's not because of anything we do. It's because of how good God is. God is good all the time. We just sang it a moment ago. He's good all the time. He's not going to change. He's not going to be bad tomorrow. No, he's good. In fact, there's no one as good as God. No one will ever be as good as God. He is good good and because he's so good he has blessed us all but let me tell you there is more there is higher levels of blessing there is deeper places of blessing that you can experience in this life but not everyone will experience it but you get to choose how much of the blessing of God you get to experience you have a say in the level of the blessing that you experience. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I didn't say that we get to experience uh, that we have a, a role in salvation and God saving us. We don't. There's a difference between being saved, having faith in Jesus, right? Like God does the saving. We know that. Uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells us. Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9 says it is the gift of God that you've been saved, Right? Not that anyone can boast, right? We know it's not salvation, but the level of blessing that God has for us, like we can experience more. Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you obey the Lord's command, all of these blessings will come upon you. Fourteen verses later, he gets to the end of this list, right? Malachi 3. If you bring the whole tithe into God's house, then windows of heaven will open over you, blessings you cannot contain. Do you see there's this if-then statement in here? If you obey the Lord's commands, then these blessings will follow you. If you bring the tithe into the storehouse, then the windows of heaven will open over you. Luke chapter one, the angel speaking to Mary. He said, Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the word of the Lord would happen. Had Mary not believed the word of the Lord would happen, she wouldn't have received that blessing. There's always our part, and then the blessing comes. James four. God says, draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. See, the way that we think, the way that we believe, the way that we act, and the way that we speak gets God's attention. Heaven responds to the way we live our lives. The level of blessing that we experience, we can experience more, right? Why would God allow us to experience more of his blessing, his supernatural power working through our lives? Why would God do that? So that his glory would show through our lives to create space for other people to recognize the overflow of how good God is so that we could point people to Jesus. Come on, that's what it means to be blessed to be a blessing, God doesn't want you to just store up all of his supernatural power in your life on this earth just to have it. What good is that? He could do that on his own. No, he puts his supernatural power, his blessing in us, knowing that it's going to affect everything that we're involved in, knowing that it's going to affect our thinking, knowing that it's going to affect our our health and our mind, knowing that it's going to affect our our finances and our conversations and the things that we can do, knowing that it's going to overflow out of us and other people are going to begin to be affected by it so that they could know how good he is and come to find faith in Jesus so that they could be blessed too. The blessing was meant to flow out of you, not to be stopped with you. There's, there's more blessing God has for you. It's, it's kind of like when you get hired at a job. It's one thing to get hired at a job, but how many of y'all know once you start working at the company, there's more than just showing up to the work every day? For those that help advance the mission of the company, those that help the company to grow, those that help the company to achieve its purpose, and, and, and for, you know, for-profit companies to make more money, those that are advancing the mission of the company, like, that's where promotion comes. That's where increase comes. That's where leadership and influence comes. Where do you think they got that idea? From the kingdom of heaven, right? It's the same with God. As we get our lives in alignment with advancing God's purpose and his priorities, that's where promotion is. That's where increase is. That's where abundance is. It's like uh, being married. How many of y'all know you can go through the physical process, the legal process, and you can be married on paper, but how many of y'all know that it takes a lot more than just a piece of paper to have a godly marriage that goes the distance? <laughs> all the married people said amen. <laughs> it takes a lot of work to have a good marriage. It doesn't just happen. You don't just go to sleep and then wake up after the honeymoon and you just have the perfect marriage that lasts 50, 60 years. No, you've got to put some work in. You've got to be a servant in your marriage and and serve. And then when you thought you've served your spouse enough, serve a little bit more. You've got to lay down your pride. You've got to lay down your dreams. You've got to lay down yourself and and serve the other person and work at it to have a great marriage. There's a lot more involved. But then in that place, man, there's benefit. There is growth. There's so many great things that come when we're willing to press into more. And it's the same with the blessing. We get our lives in line when we begin to lay ourselves down and we begin to be about the priorities of heaven, all of a sudden we begin to tap in to the supernatural power of God in ways that we hadn't before. The blessing then begins to overtake us, right? And when we begin to realize that we have a role in, ex- in how much of the blessing of God we experience, I don't know about y'all, but my natural question is, how do I do that more? Anybody else? I don't want to waste my life just, just experiencing the bare minimum of God. I don't want to waste the talents and the abilities that God put in my body. I don't want to waste the calling that God has given me or the anointing on my life just by showing up for some services, trying to be a good person and saying some prayers. No, I want more of God. I want to press into him. I want to experience all that he has for me, all that he's willing to pour out on my life. I want to do whatever it takes to get myself in that position. So how do we do that? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me Proverbs chapter 11. Uh, This is verse 28. Uh, The the message paraphrase. It says this. It says a life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump, but a God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. So we see here again the two pictures: the blessing and the cursing. A life devoted to things, right? in the life that is the opposite of that, you're either devoted to things or a God-shaped or a life devoted to God is flourishing. It's not just that uh, a tree that's flourishing is not just taking in nourishment, it's giving out nourishment. Flourishing means that it's growing, it's producing something that's affecting the environment around it. It's a flourishing thing. It's, it's something being produced. It's being blessed to be a blessing. The challenge for us as people is it's so easy. <laughs> Easy. I don't know about you. Ever experienced this? Just, I just find it so easy in my life to slip into this rut of living life for things. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay, come on. It's okay to be honest in church. Like it's just easy to slip into that 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 way of living where the things kind of start to become priority, and then we start to worry about the things and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, and, and things are great. You know, things are good. Um, you know, things come and go and it's okay, they will, Uh, we just have to realize that things don't really matter all that much. They, They aren't the things that really matter. The things that matter is knowing God and helping other people to know him. That's what really matters in this life. When we live for eternity, realizing that our life on this earth is just a short time, but eternity is forever, then we begin to realize the priority. Like you don't live your life for the first six months of your life. No, you've got another 70, 80, 90, come on, somebody who wants to live a long time, 100 years to go. It's not all about the first six months. No, we've got to get a bigger view of our existence and and we will exist in eternity. And it's just realizing that the God we serve the one true God has a heart of generosity. He is all about generosity. Uh, the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, says it best. For God so loved that he gave generosity. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So what is it all about to be blessed? Well, God's purpose with his blessing, bringing his supernatural power into our lives, is to bring his power, his anointing, resources, not just to us, but so that they would flow through us, that they would flow out of us. God will bring resource. He'll bring anointing. He'll bring wisdom, the gifts of his spirit through his children, right? He brings it through us. That's why uh, my pastor growing up always told me, he said, Chris, you're supposed to be a river, not a reservoir, Some of us have just been the reservoir. Everything that comes in stays with us. Listen, you can, it's not supposed to stay with you. It's supposed to be with you and then flow out of you. And can I just settle the fear? God has more than enough. If you become a river, God's not gonna run out of of resource and goodness and peace and abundance to fill you back up to more than what you like. He has enough. He is more than enough. And so it's just getting this picture like uh, the resource, the anointing, the goodness that God brings to our lives, the peace that our world so desperately needs. Where are they going to get it if they can't get it from the Christians? Sometimes we we sit back with the attitude of like, well, the world is so messed up. (laughs) And it is. Listen, we live in a fallen, broken world, everybody. Please don't be surprised. And please don't sit on the sideline and criticize how bad and broken and anxious and depressed people are when you're sitting there with the answer. And too often the church has sat back, looked down at people, well, if y'all could just get it together. No. That's why God put his anointing on you. That's why God put his spirit upon you. So that you could be to take it to them, give it away. God's going to give you more. This is what it means, blessed to be a blessing. I love, I, I use this illustration all the time, but it's just great in um, and, and so many things. But when, when we go to a restaurant, my, life, my wife loves to get the queso. You know, when they bring the chips and salsa out, she loves to order the extra bowl of queso. The thing about queso is that if you're not using it, when, when you're using it, dipping your chips in it or whatever, like you're using the queso for what it was intended for. It's intended to go on your chips. It's intended to be warm and delicious as it goes down into your belly, you know, and, and all that. It's intended probably to stick on your hips for longer than you'd like it to be. Like, <laughs> we're just getting real today. The queso, as long as you are using it as long as the queso is coming out of the bowl, as long as it's coming onto the chip, like it stays in the state that will that will accomplish the purpose of the queso. But then when you stop using the queso and it's just sitting there, it's all the queso is contained in the bowl and nothing is scooping it out. Nothing is removing the queso. The queso gets this crusty film on the top of it and it gets kind of gross. I call it crusty queso. Like, we're not going to be crusty queso in this house. You are not called to be crusty queso. You are called to be gold and smooth and all that kind of queso that goes down and just touches every part uh, in people's lives. Peace everywhere. Goodness of God everywhere. Right? Um, imagine for a moment if, you, if we could take all of the need in the world... All of the starving people, all of the churches that need to be built, all of the, the pastors and missionaries that need to be trained, all of the, you know, uh, the Bibles that need to be translated and printed, all the, the need that's in the world, and we could put it right here on the platform. Right? On the other side of the platform would be all of the resource, everything that's needed to meet that need. All, everything, all the finances, the people, all, all the, the anointing, everything that God has created to meet the need is over here. What is in the middle? It starts with the C. It's called the church. See, the church is not this building that we're in. The church is you and me. It's us. We are the church. God strategically puts his church between the mess and the need so that he can start sending the answers through the church so that the church could funnel the answers to the thing because if god were just to take all the answers and bypass the church and just have just things just start showing up to people then who's going to tell them about jesus see we could feed the whole world and if we don't tell them about jesus we still lose and they lose God knew that he would need his people to not just be his hands and feet to provide the needs that are there, but also help pull people out of darkness and into the family. That's what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. God brings his resources through us to bring the answers to the world. But Here's the thing that happens so often. God brings his blessing, his resources, anointing, uh, ideas, everything through the church. And so often they get stuck in the church. They get stuck in our lives. Right? Sometimes it's greed. Sometimes it's sticky fingers. Sometimes it's just we're just thinking about ourselves. Or sometimes it's fear of the economy or whatever else, you know. And things get stuck. Listen, if God can't get the resources through your life to the thing that's in need... He's going to move on and find somebody that he can bring that resource through because he's seeing it as eternity. Man, if they don't get what they need and hear about Jesus and they leave this earth, bummer for them. Meanwhile, people in the church are arguing about, I don't think giving is for today. And God is like, wake up. There's people dying and going to hell every day. And it's our responsibility, the church, it's us to be able to go and take anything that God has given us and use it to tell people about Jesus. Come on, that's blessed to be. Blessing God brings it through us, right? He's looking for people that He can trust as conduits, as channels of His goodness and His authority. That's why, when you see some people and they seem more blessed than you, it could be that they've just allowed more to flow through their hands. When you see some people that seem like when they pray, that they're like it just seems like there's something extra on their prayers, well, it's the supernatural power of God, it's the blessing on their lives, and it could be that they've been more willing to pray with anyone, anywhere, at any time than you have been. But it doesn't mean that you can't. You can pray with anyone at any time and anywhere and allow the power of God to flow through you right in the middle of Publix. Like it's just to the level that we're willing to open our hands and release and let things flow through our lives. We are channels. We are conduits. Rivers of the blessing of God. That's why for us, a victory generosity is such a, it's so important. It's a value for us. We say it this way: It's more blessed to give than receive. This is. It's just the reality of giving. I believe that Christians should be the most generous people in the world. We should should dictate what it means to live a generous life. I mean, if we have no other reason to be generous than the fact that we've been redeemed, we've been sanctified, we've been forgiven, we've been pulled out of darkness, we've been restored, and, and God has called us and made us part of his own family. If we've got no other reason than that to be generous, that's the only reason that we need. Come on, we are called to be generous people and so i've been praying um specifically for you and uh, over these next couple of weeks as we talk about being blessed to be a blessing just that this would be a marked moment in your life that this would be that kind of i don't know if you've ever had one of those experiences where you experience something and it's like my life was forever changed from that moment right there Like things look completely different because of what God did, what happened in that moment. That's what I'm praying for in this series, in these weeks coming forth, that this would be a marked moment in your life, that it would begin to unleash a a, a spirit of generosity in your life, that it would begin just like a a river as it rushes down uh, the the riverbed, that there would be this generosity of the blessing of God flowing through your lives, rushing through through your lives as God begins to reveal this in you uh, over these next several weeks. So I just encourage you, man, make it a priority. Be here these next couple weeks and come ready. You know, I always tell the dream team, but I'll tell you guys too. Um, When you come to church, don't let this be the first time you talk to God on a Sunday. You know, like when you get up on a Sunday, start right there. What if we just started each day and just, God, thank you for today. You know, because the Bible says we're not promised tomorrow. So if you wake up tomorrow, praise the Lord. Before you put your feet on the floor, God, thank you for breath today. Thank you for life today. Honey, are you alive? Okay, thank you for my spouse. You know, like. What if we just started that way every day? I just—I guarantee you, your day will be better. Things will begin to be different. You'll begin to experience more of this uh, shift in your life of seeing things the way God sees you, right? And so, I know some of you are probably thinking right now as we talk about generosity, like, "Please, Pastor, don't talk about money today." Please, please, I brought a friend, not today. But <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I get it. I, I know the thoughts are real but uh, some people are thinking that probably some people are probably like mad just in general when we talk about money in the church or generosity you know because they don't think it should be talked about same with uh, sex or dating or any of that like um, before you run out of here can we just lean into the word can we just you know like why is it that why is it that we lean in on certain topics but not others when, when we're preaching about healing, man, people are leaning in when we're preaching about you know uh, experiencing peace or forgiveness or experiencing the good that God has for man we're leaning in, but then when it comes time for us to for us to bring something to him i don't I, that, that one's not for me I'll see you at Christmas. <laughs> what if we just begin to lean in like the whole book was for us? Come on uh, can, can we allow the Spirit of God to speak to us about one of the most present forces in our lives. Did you know that money is, like, one of the single most present forces in your life? Like, every day you are making money decisions. Every day you are interacting with money. We, I mean, before you were born, Mama and Daddy were thinking about how they're going to pay for you. And after your body dies and you step into eternity, your family is going to be thinking about how they're going to pay for you. (laughs) Um, that's a good place to pause and just say, hey, have the awkward conversations about that. Please, I, from experience where those conversations didn't happen and it just, just brings a lot of confusion and struggle and all that kind of stuff, have the conversations about that. Hey, prepare your family for that, not just with the conversations, but financially. A wise man, Scripture says, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So we're going to be wise with our lives we're going to be wise with our money but it's just it's just reality like we go to school to learn more so that we can earn more money people miss family events people work long hours to make more Money. People spend money on all kinds of things. People live in fear over money. People freak out over money, right? There's all this kinds of stuff about money and resources in our lives. It's part of every single part of our life. And as present as it is, you know, I believe that most people, when we start talking about generosity, especially when you, you know, you, you get people really honest, Christians especially, I think most people want to be generous, um, Some people, you know, because of decisions they've made, they're strapped. And so they can't be generous. They think they can't be generous. Um, They can. It just takes hard decisions. Uh, But... I believe that most people land, you know, generally we kind of sway back and forth. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, I want to sell everything, give it all away, just live small, live simple, and just like, just honor God that way. And then other times I swing to the other side of the pendulum, and I'm like, I just want to enjoy this life and live the lifestyles, not feel guilty about living the lifestyles of the rich and famous, you know, like, we probably all like swing between the two. And then for some reason, so many people end up in the middle where they're like, I feel both ways, but I don't want to talk about money at all <laughs> because it's kind of awkward talking about money. Um, when me and my wife were first married, that was like, it's just, it's just hard to talk about money. Like, here's what we have. We can't spend this. We can't spend that. Like, it's just like money just sometimes feels awkward to talk about. But um, I would just, I would just encourage you, like, you know, sometimes people ask me, like, why do, why do we talk about money in church? And I just my answer is just, have you ever read the Bible? And I'm not trying to be spicy or any kind of way. Um, it's just the truth. It's, it's one of the most generosity. Giving is the, the common theme of the Bible. There's a lot of themes in the Bible, but the overriding theme of the Bible is giving. And if you don't like talking about money and giving, you're probably not going to like the Bible. Because that's what it's all about. If you just look at the teachings of Jesus alone, 16 out of the 38 parables that are recorded were about our possessions and what we do with them. That's 43%. I did the math. That's 22 Sundays out of the year. So um, (laughs) that would be like taking every Sunday from January 1 to the end of May and talking about money and what we do with it. Now, I'm not suggesting that we do that. But would I be a good pastor if I ignored 43% of Jesus' teaching? No. If, if 43% of Jesus' teaching was on miracles and healing and I ignored it, that would, Pastor, you need to teach the whole counsel of the word. But yet, when I teach on uh, 43% of Jesus' teachings, which is giving, how we handle our resources, then I get people that are offended or whatever. Like, like listen, uh, I'm not going to apologize when I preach about worship or when I teach about faithfulness. I'm not going to apologize when I teach about prayer or when I teach about love or forgiveness. And I'm not going to apologize when I teach about giving. It is a spiritual, biblical principle. And I think sometimes we forget how spiritual money really is. Because money really reveals my character and how close I really am to God. Um, when, you, when you read the rest of Scripture, you realize that God has a lot to say about our money and what we do with it. Uh, you can look at uh, different topics of the Bible that are really important. It uh, talks about believe. The word believe, 272 times. It's important to believe, to have faith. Uh, when we talk about prayer. That's an important part of the Christian life, praying. How do we pray? The disciples, Jesus, teach us how to pray. It talks about it 371 times in the scriptures. The word love, many people think that's what it's all about, love, 714 times. But then you start talking about giving is 2,161 times in the Bible. We've got we've to wake up and realize that from the Bible standpoint, this thing of giving and generosity and how we handle our resources on this earth is incredibly important to God. And if we're unwilling to talk about it, then we're unwilling to live a generous life. Because you're, you don't just wake up and accidentally be generous. You don't. Because you wake up and you accidentally want to keep it all to yourself. Like that's the natural course. That's why when, when people tell me, well, when they, when they have a little bit more, then they can be generous. Well, that never happens, because when you have more, you know, the numbers get bigger, and it's a lot harder to be generous when you're making $50,000 than you are when you're only making $5,000, right? The more, generosity is not determined on the amount that you have. It's determined on the condition and the state of your heart. It was important to Jesus. And I I wonder sometimes, as as Jesus talked about money and finances 43% of the time, do you ever wonder, like, as the people were sitting on the the hill out in the sun, listening to Jesus preach the whole day, do you realize, like, like it says that as the sun went down and Jesus was still preaching. Listen, I have preached for 50 minutes, okay? Y'all are blessed. Hashtag blessed right there. And you inside. Come on. Do you ever wonder, like, as they were sitting out on the hill in the dirt listening to Jesus preach, did they start to wonder, like, why Jesus talking about money again? Really, Jesus, money again? Did you ever think? Do you think they begin to think, well, he's only talking about it because he wants to get it from me? Did the people back then think that Jesus was trying to get their money? Do you think that about this church, about me? I know the lie that's out there because I've heard people say it. Listen, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I don't believe that Jesus was trying to get their money either, right? So let's ask this question instead. In light of that thought, why did God create giving? Did God create giving so that he could get something from us? It's it's that place of where pride comes in as if God needs our help to help pay the light bill in heaven. Well, God's just trying to get something from me. I guess, you know, the angels need a little more fuel for their cars to get around and do the work of the Lord around the earth. So God needs to get something from me to make ends meet. No, like that is such, it's kind of ridiculous and extremely prideful of us to think that God needs something from us. No, Psalms 24 says it this way. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So let me ask you the obvious question. Are you in the world? This is the interactive part. Are you in the world? Then you are the Lord's. Is your car in the world? Then it is the Lord's. Is your bank account in the world? Then it is the Lord's. Are your children in this world? Some of you are like, no, they are out with this world. No, <laughs> that's funny right there. No, your children are in this world and they are the Lord's. Come on, everything is the Lord's. It is not ours. We are not the owners. We are the managers, the stewards, the caretakers of something that belongs to the Lord, right? This is why God created giving, for our sake, not for his. He created giving as a way, as a litmus test for where our heart was how willing we are to be close to him, right? Uh, it's, It's that place where it we showcase is he savior and Lord or is he just savior if how willing we are to come and do what he asks us to do so uh, I want to real quickly as we talk about how do we unleash a spirit of generosity in our lives. I want to give us three keys today of how we unleash a spirit of generosity. Next time uh, we're going to talk about the specifics, like how do we do this? How, how, how are we generous? If you're taking notes, hopefully you'll write these down. If we want to release a spirit of generosity through our lives, realize you are blessed to be a blessing. You are Blessed, we read it earlier, Ephesians 1, you're already blessed with Christ. So you can be a blessing to somebody else. If all you have is Christ and you have nothing else, then you are equipped to be a blessing to someone else. Because I guarantee you there's someone in your world right now that doesn't know Christ. Someone. You are blessed to be a blessing. Um, You were created to live this blessed life, not to live a cursed life psalms 23 yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will not be afraid for you are with me the blessing of god being with me. He says he is a shepherd and he leads us not into the dead, dry pastures where there's just dirt and dying grass. No, he says he leads me beside uh, in green pastures besides still waters, right? He says he restores my soul, right? He says you have a cup that overflows, not a cup that's empty or doesn't have enough or just barely enough. He says his goodness, his mercy follows you every day of your life. Do you see this picture? God wants you to be blessed, not be cursed. He wants you to experience his supernatural power. And that psalm is really, the the psalmist writing about what it looks like, the overflow blessing, the supernatural power of God. Every part of his life was experiencing goodness from God. If you have your Bibles, turn Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is way, way at the beginning of the book. Um, the Lord is speaking to a guy named Abram. He would later become Abraham. We know Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Come on, y'all sound good. <laughs> Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob and Joseph and became the nation of Israel, right? That's this guy, Abram. But long before he ever became Abram, Abraham, he was Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. I want you to notice the idea Of blessing a person was God's idea. It was God's idea to bless a person on the earth, to make them great, right? And like Abram didn't have to come to God and beg him to bless him. He didn't have to come to God and like, like pay for the blessing, right? No, no. He just had to act in obedience. God said, Abram, I have, a, I have something for you, a command for you. Go from your country. Leave your father's house. Go to this place. Get on the road, and then I'll show you where to go. Abram had a part to do. He said, and then I will bless you. If you go, then I will bless you. And it wasn't just so Abram would be blessed, even though he was. When you get into Genesis chapter 13, you see the blessing of God. It said that Abram had so many possessions that he had to separate from his family because they had so much and he had so much that the, the land couldn't support them both. So they had to go in, in different directions because they had so much blessing. I don't know about y'all, but like that's a good chapter to read. You know, like, okay, God, how do I get in that place? God said, I will bless you, and you will be what? A blessing. This is what's called the Abrahamic covenant. God made this covenant, this promise with Abraham. Abraham, if you will go where I tell you to go, I will bless you, and everyone in the world will be blessed because of you. Now part of the blessing that God was speaking about is through the family line of Abraham would come Jesus. We are blessed because of Jesus. We read it Ephesians 1, because of your faith in Jesus. So through Abraham's obedience, blessing came not only on him, but on the entire course of human history. See, there is blessing that is released, not just in a moment for us, but through generations of our life and our family when we choose to live in obedience to God's word. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. So who is blessed through us? He said all the nations of the earth are blessed. That's the ultimate end of the blessing of God, that People everywhere, all around the world would be blessed through us. That's why at Victory, we believe this with all of our heart. It's one of our values. We are a local church, but we have a global vision. That means we're not just focused on just us having a nice little service in the four walls and that's the end of it. No, we have a global vision. That's why we regularly invest financial resources into things like building water wells and rescue homes all across Southeast Asia for for families and for boys and girls. That's why we built a church in Burundi, Africa. That's why we do things like we do outreaches here in Central Florida, where we're doing our, our Thanksgiving and our Christmas outreaches, it's why we invest in, in uh, planting churches here in the United States and around the world. Right? It's why we do those things because can you just can we just imagine what it would be like if through this one church, come on somebody, this is, I got to try this side, through this one church, Victory Orlando, could all the nations of the earth be blessed? Come on, let me try this side over here. See if you caught some vision while I was over there. Through our church, through this one church. Oh, come on, church. Don't despise despise small beginnings. Through one church in East Orlando, Victory Orlando Church, could all the nations of the earth be blessed? Come on, we might do some things now, but how much more can we do? There's so many people, so many opportunities for us to advance the kingdom of God. That's why God has blessed us in this facility. We are blessed to be here. And not just for us, like it's great. That's why I love church online. That's why I love all the things that we do so that we can be a blessing Everywhere we go. I'm going to ask uh, uh, two of our our members, Rich and Cindy, to come up here uh, and just share a quick testimony on what what generosity and giving has done in their lives. And uh, I I want you to hear from somebody other than me because I know you expect me to say things like, guys, we're generous people. This is who we are. But I want you to hear, like, it's not just something that I'm saying or some nice things, but it actually works. The word of God actually works. Cindy, tell (laughs) tell us your story about what God has done in you.
1: Hey guys, um, I guess it was around 2000 that I finally gave my full life to Jesus and started being obedient to his word. I was um, in a good church, went regularly, was involved in their outreaches. Uh, Things were going really well. Problem was, pastor, this church I was attending, they talked about money every week every week well So I was starting to get convicted, but a lot of Christians I talked to said tithing was Old Testament Others said oh you give as you purpose in your heart and that is Scripture But others were interpreting it as give what you feel like Well, The church thought it was important enough to share about giving every week, so I started getting convicted. God sent me directly to Matthew 23. 23, 23.23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You paid tithe of mint and anise and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you Ought to have done, without leaving the others undone. Well, there you have it. Tithing is yeah. New Testament. Yeah. So I started increasing what I was given in the plate, probably from about twenty, maybe fifty dollars a week. That seemed to absolve my. Comm- excuse me. I don't know why I'm so nervous. Yeah, okay. I do this one thing. <laughs> I'm just shaking. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so uh, anyway, went up from like twenty dollars to fifty. That seemed to absolve my conviction for a little while, and then I heard another message where the preacher said the tithe meant a tenth. I went back in my NIV version and I read the same scripture in math- Matthew, and it substitute tenth for tithe. Tithe means tenth. I did the math. I was way off. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't making a ton of money, but it was definitely more than that. So I was like, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. All right. I mean, it was, I was so far off. My budget was tight, not much room to spare. But a wise deacon in that church encouraged me, write the first check in faith and see what God does. Well, that seemed a little bit irresponsible. So I didn't go about it completely recklessly. I disconnected my cable. I canceled the newspaper. I cut back on eating out, and I wrote the check. Two weeks in, I knew I was going to be short. I prayed, God, you told me to do this thing. I need your help. Two days later, the director of the prison ministry that I was doing some volunteer typing for called me and said, we want you to keep doing the typing, but we want you to help with the accounting too, and we'll pay you $100 a month. (laughs) God answered that prayer. Now, it still wasn't all of it. It was close, but I was still short. My apartment rent was too much, but then I'm, I'm praying, and I'm praying, and obviously God takes me to Malachi. Everybody takes him, everybody to Malachi. You already read it. I won't read it again, but God says to test him. Test him in this. Well, anyway, so two weeks in, I've written the check. I prayed again. I got the extra $100 a month. But by the end of the month, there was more month left over than money. I was late on my electric bill, and they were going to cut off my power. So it was said to be cut off on a Friday, and I didn't get paid till Tuesday. So I called the power company and asked them to extend, and they said no. So I called my... uh, girlfriend and said, can I spend the weekend with you? It looks like my power's going to be shut off. So I figured, okay, I'll have to pay a reconnect fee, but I'm doing what God wants me to do. So Friday comes, and I don't guess they open till 9, so early in the morning, it was the power was still on at that time. God woke me up at 4 a.m. All I heard was worship. Got up. At 4 a.m., got on my knees, put my worship CD in, prayed, fellowship, read, packed my bag for the weekend, and went to work. On the way to work, I was worshiping more. And God, I heard him say very clearly, call him again. I got into work, called him when they opened. They gave me an extension until Tuesday. He kept my power on. (laughs) That's what he knows. And then, you know, after that, you know, it was still a struggle, but God led me just to to see how he does things. He led me to an opportunity to move into an upstairs apartment for the uh, worship leader widow that was in the prison ministry, renovate her apartment for her, pay her rent, but the rent was half of what I was paying before, and I had the fellowship of a spiritual prayer warrior right downstairs with me to grow me Come on. the point here is god knows each piece of the orchestrated puzzle that he's put in your path just make the first step and god will do the rest amen and my um my, my husband has one more aside to add to that
2: well, you know, your <clears throat> pastor really can't see you guys uh, unless he does this. Sure. So, yeah, it's like I'm not used to talking to a void, but I know you're there. Um, so, anyway, a little background. Uh, Cindy and I had dedicated ourselves to the Lord for about three years before we met. And uh, we went on a trip to Rama in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Broken Arrow, actually, near Tulsa, Oklahoma, where your pastor did some uh, work there. Yeah, trained, whatever. Uh, and so, anyway, we were there at the winter seminar, Bible seminar, and, um, well, am trying to make this short. not tell that whole story. I'm not going to tell the whole story. <laughs> so, I proposed to her at a bus stop in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and she said, yes, for me. I had I had confirmation. I already knew it was done. Well, Cindy needed a little more confirmation. She'd been divorced before, understandably. She said, God, is this real? So as soon as she had confirmation, we got together and she saw my finances. And what I had been doing is God knew that I wanted to tithe. But I had debts, spending debts, and uh Let's put it this way: there were payche- there were Fridays I was looking forward to so I could eat, okay. Wow. Wow. But I put in my twenty bucks. I don't know how she got that number—the double saw buck and the plate. Every you know, I was gonna do that anyway, if I had to eat or not. But uh, so she looked at our finances, and because she was committed to the relationship as was I, she took it upon herself to combine our incomes and tithe from that combined amount. So she had tithe on my behalf. So instead of doing it the world's way, we chose to do it God's way. Amen. And that tithing was really the hardest part. Another difficult part is not doing it the Hollywood way. We waited to have sex until we got married. Amen. Praise God. Well, years ago, folks. Yeah, 2004.
0: <laughs> Come on, God is good, amen. You guys are awesome. Thank you for sharing. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, God's way works. It always, always works. Yeah. We are blessed to be a blessing. Here's the second key to unleash generosity in our lives is that giving will lead your heart. Giving will lead your heart. So back to the question, was Jesus trying to get their money? No. Jesus was trying to get their hearts. That's why he had to talk about money and possessions. He said it this way, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love that phrase, will be, meaning it will go there when I put my treasure there. So wherever your heart and your treasure is now, if you move your treasure to a new location, your heart will follow. There is a string from your heart to your your wallet, to your finances. And wherever your money goes, your heart will follow. If you don't believe me, invest $1,000 in the stock market this week. And you might have never looked at stocks before, but you will be refreshing that screen every three seconds to see the updated value of that stock. Did I lose Did I make it? Is up? Is it down? Why? Because your treasure is there, and now your heart, your passions, your time, everything is going there. Where you put your treasure is where your heart will go. So then it's no wonder to me why people are so flippant with, about church and they're really not passionate about it, easy to walk away because their treasure is not there. So, their heart's not there. Like where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So, if we say we're passionate about the things of God, if we say we're passionate about reaching the world, but our treasure's not there, then we're really not. We've just deceived ourselves into thinking something that's not real. Where we put our treasure is where our heart will go, right? It's a, it's a spirit, spiritual biblical principle. Here's the third one today. Um, we're talking about keys to unleashing generosity in our lives. Number one, we're blessed to be a blessing. Number two, giving leads our heart. Number three, the last one: our giving is motivated by gratitude. Giving is motivated by gratitude. It will reveal your, your level of giving will reveal your level of gratitude to God. Notice I didn't say your amount of giving. No, your level of giving. Scripture talks about how we should give according to what God has blessed us with. What are we increasing with? What has he brought into our hands? Let me show you in the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 15. For those that don't know, Deuteronomy isn't the Old Testament. Uh, uh, Just a few books in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 14. God is speaking to his people. That's us today. Come on, we are his people. He says, give to them in comparison to what you think someone else is giving. Come on, don't let me get away with stuff. He says, give to them what you think will get you noticed. Give to them so you feel more spiritual and you check the box. No, he says, give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. As he has blessed you. So our giving is in direct result in proportion to what God has increased our life with. The level of blessing that we have. It's what God is doing and bringing into our hands. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. So now he's shifted into the motivation. Why would we give according to what God has blessed us with? Well, here's the motivation. You were slaves in Egypt. Sometimes we can forget that we were dead in sin, that we could never have been good enough for God without Christ. He says, remember, remember not how bad you were. Don't like mope. Oh, I was so bad. No, he says, look back and remember, I was in that place, but Jesus saved me. I've been redeemed. I've been pulled out of some mess. I, w- I might have been addicted, but I've been set free. I might have been broken, but I've been healed. Right? Like I might have been a mess, but I've been restored. He's, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. This is why I give you this command today. That's strong language, command. It's command, he says. I give you this command. See, gratitude remembering where we've been, that God has redeemed us, it dictates our level of giving. It fuels our giving. And every now and then we need to just remind ourselves what life was like before we found Jesus but where, where we really were and before we were saved. Every now and then, we need to remember or else we can begin to take it for granted. We can begin to think that we deserve God's blessings or that we can earn God's blessings. Every now and then, we need to just pause and just give thanks to God for how good He is, that He didn't have to save us, but He loved you so much that He gave His one and only Son so that He so you would have the opportunity to be saved. Every now and then, we need to remember... Jesus has done for us because it fuels generosity in us pastor in my life said it to me this way he said Chris he said every blessing that we don't turn to thanks and praise has the opportunity to become pride to think look what I did I'm good God you better bless me or you ought to bless me no he doesn't have to do anything but he's good and so he does we position ourselves in this attitude of gratitude to say, God, I'm nothing without you. Anything I have, including Jesus and beyond Jesus, is a bonus. I don't deserve it, but God, you give it freely. I know that when I stop in my own life and uh, practice this attitude of gratitude, one thing that we do in our house is uh, around the dinner table, not just on Thanksgiving Day, but every day, What are you grateful for today? And it can't be what you said yesterday. You know, like, it can't just be, I'm grateful for my food. No, like, let's get beyond the basics. What are you grateful for today? And everybody has to go around, and once somebody says something, it's off the table. So not everybody can say, "Uh, I'm thankful for the dog. Well, I'm thankful for the dog too. Uh, No, like, uh, it's just practicing the attitude of gratitude. I've just learned that the times that we do that every day... Things are just totally different in our relationships, in our conversations, in our thoughts, in our vision for the future. And the times that we're not as diligent about doing it, I just notice there's just, there just tends to be more tension. There tends to be more, like, just opportunity for things to slip in. There tends to be more focus on, oh, well, how is this going to affect us? Or what are, what are we going to have? We might not have enough. or what? I've just learned that when I practice the attitude of gratitude, I can't help but be generous. Because it just flows out of me. Because in this place of gratitude for God, like, it's the Spirit of God that then is developed in us. And the Spirit of God is generosity. Like his attitude of gratitude comes out of us this way. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this way. As for you, y'all were dead in, in your sins and transgressions. That's the southern version. Y'all y'all were dead in sin and transgressions. Like he says in verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Come on, let's get to our feet today. We have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for to our Heavenly Father. It's this attitude of gratitude that rids greed from our life. It's this attitude of gratitude that opens the floodgates where we've been a reservoir, but we're becoming a river. It starts in this place of just being grateful for whatever comes our way. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.